0: Chapter Three, Part B of Greener Than You Think. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Greener Than You Think by Ward Moore. I have said Mr. Le had softened his brutality toward me, but his favor did not extend, so pervasive his literary jealousy, to printing my own reports. He continued to subject me to the indignity of being ghosted, a thoroughly expressive term which by a combination of bad conjugation and the suggestion of insubstantiality defines the sort of prose produced by Jackson Goots. This arrangement, instead of giving me some freedom, shackled me to the reporter, who dashed from celebrity to celebrity, grass to nuclei, office to point of momentary interest, with unflagging energy and infuriating jocosity. I knew his repertory of tricks and accents down to the last yawn. Most of all, I resented his irregular habits. He never arrived at the Intelligencer office on time or quit after a proper day's work. He thought nothing of getting me out of bed before I'd had my eight hours sleep to accompany him on some ridiculous errand. Bertie old Dormouse, the grass is knocking at the doors of M.B.C. All right, I answered, annoyed. It started down Vine Street yesterday. It would be more surprising if it obligingly paused before the studio. Cynic, he said, pulling the bedclothes away from my face i consider this the lowest form of horseplay i know of how quickly your ideals have been tarnished by contact with the vulgar world of newspaperdom front and center birdie lad we must catch the grass making its own sound effects before they jerk out the microphones Protests having no effect, I reluctantly went with him, but the scene was merely a repetition of hundreds of previous ones, the grass being no more or less spectacular for M.B.C. than for Watanabe's nursery and cup flower shop a half mile away. Its after effects, however, were immediate. The governor declared martial law in Los Angeles County and ordered the evacuation of an area five miles wide on the perimeter of the grass furious cries of anguish went up from those affected by the arbitrary order what authority had any official to dispossess honest people from their homes in time of peace the right to hold their property unmolested was a prerogative vested in the humblest american and who was the governor to abrogate the constitution the declaration of independence and manifold decisions of the supreme court in embittered fury henry miller resigned from the investigating committee now defunct anyway its voluminous and inconclusive report buried in the state archives injunctions issued from local courts like ashes from a stirring volcano but the militia were impervious and hustled the freeholders from their homes with callous disregard for the sacred dues of property when the reason behind this evacuation order leaked out a still greater lamentation was evoked for the national guard was planning nothing less than a saturation incendiary bombing of the entire area the bludgeon which reduced the cities of europe to mere shells must surely destroy this new invader even the stoutest defenders of property conceded this must be so but what was the point of annihilating the enemy if their holdings were to be sacrificed in the process No, no, let the governor take whatever means he pleased to dispatch the weed, so long as the method involved left them homes to enjoy when things were, as they inevitably must be, restored to normal. So frantic were their efforts that the Supreme Court actually forced the governor to postpone his proposed bombing, though it did not discontinue the evacuation there were few indeed who understood how the weed would digest the very wood bricks or stucco and who packed up and moved out ahead of the troops american flags and shotguns recalled the heroic days of the frontier and defiance of the governor's edict was the rule instead of the exception Fierce old ladies dared the militiamen to lay a finger on them or their possessions, and apoplectic gentlemen, eyes as glazed as those of the hunting trophies on their walls, sputtered refusals to stir. No, not for all the brutal force in the world no one was seriously hurt in this rebellion the commonest wound being long scratches on the cheeks of the guardsmen inflicted by feminine nails as with various degrees of resistance the inhabitants were carried or shooed from their dwellings while the wrangling over its destruction went on the grass continued its progress out through cuenga pass it flowed toward fertile san fernando valley steadily it climbed to the hilltops masticating sage greasewood oak sycamore and manzanita with the same ease it bolted houses and pavements into griffith park it swaggered mumbling the planetarium mount hollywood and ferndell in successive mouthfuls and swarmed down to the concrete lined bed of the los angeles river here ineffectual shallow pools had preserved illusion and given tourists something at which to laugh in the dry season the weed licked them up like a thirsty cow at a wallow up and down and over the river it ran each day with greater speed it broke into the water mains. It tore down the poles bearing electric telephone and telegraph wires. It forced its way between the threaded joints of gas pipes and turned their lethal vapor loose in the air until all services in the vicinity were hastily discontinued. Short weeks after I had inoculated Mrs. Dickman's lawn, that part of Los Angeles known as Hollywood had disappeared from the map of civilization and had become one solid mass of green devil grass no one refused to move for this dispossessor as they had for the governor thousands of homeless fled from it their going clogged the highways with automobiles and produced an artificial gasoline shortage reminiscent of wartime in downtown los angeles freight cars stood unloaded on their sidings their consignees out of business and the warehouses glutted The strain on local transportation, already enfeebled by a public service system designed for a city one-twentieth its size, and a complete lack of those facilities mandatory in every other large center of population, increased by the necessary rerouting around the affected area, threatened disruption of the entire organism, and the further disintegration of the city's already weakened coordination. The values of real estate dropped, houses were sold for a song office buildings for an aria hotels for a chorus the san francisco chamber of commerce secure in the knowledge its city suffered from nothing worse than fires earthquakes a miserable climate and an invincible provincialism invited displaced businessmen to resettle themselves in an area where improbable happenings were less likely and the state of oklahoma organized a border patrol to keep out californians I could not blame the real estate men for attempting to unload their holdings before they suffered the fate of one tall building at Hollywood and Highland. The grass closed about its base like a false foundation and surged on to new conquests, leaving the monolith bare and forlorn in its new surroundings. At first the weed satisfied itself with jocular and teasing ventures up the smooth sides. Then, as though rasped by the skyscraper's quiescence, it forced its way into the narrow space between the steel sash, filling the lower floor, and bursting out again in a riot of whirling tendrils. Up the sides it climbed, like some false ivy, clinging, falling back, building upon its own defeated body until it reached another story, and another, and another at each one the tale was repeated windows burglariously forced a floor suffocated egress affected and another height of wall scaled at the end the proud structure was a lonely obelisk furred in a green covering to the very flagpole on its peak from which waved disappointed yet still aspiring runners upward and outward continuously empty lot filling station artistic billboard all alike to the greedy fingers like thumb and index they formed a crescent a threatening semicircle reaching forward by indirection northward and southeastward the two aqueducts kept the desert from reclaiming its own for fifty years the city had scraped up bought pilfered or systematically robbed all the water it could get Through the gray wet lines, siphons, open cuts, pumps, lifts, tunnels, the metropolis sucked life. Now the desert had an ally. The grassy fingers avoided the downtown district, feeling purposefully and dangerously toward the aqueducts. I spent much of my time, when not actively watching the grass, in the Intelligencer office, i had now agreed to write articles for several weekly magazines and though they edited my copy with a heavy and unappreciative hand still they never outraged me as le did by causing another man to usurp my name since i was in both senses nominally a member of the staff I had no qualms about using the journals, typewriters, and stationery for the construction of little essays on the grass as seen through the eyes of one who had cause to know it better than anyone else. The, ah, curse of Garibaldi be upon the head of that evil man who, ah, controls this organization, rolled out goots in pseudo Churchillian tones. The, ah. Monster has woven a web. we are a uh, summoned Bertie. I got up resignedly and followed him to the managing editor's office. We were not greeted directly instead, a question was thrown furiously over our heads: Where is he? what bristling and baseless egomania sways him to affront the daily intelligencer with his contumacious and indecent unpunctuality who chief asked Goots. le Fassassi ignored him when this great newspaper condescends to shed the light of acceptance to say nothing of an obese and taxable paycheck upon the gross corpus of an illiterate movie cameraman a false daguerre a spurious steichen a dubious eisenstein it has a right to expect a return for the good showered upon such a deceitful sluggard still ignoring gootes he turned to me and apparently putting the berated one from his mind went on with comparative mildness wiener an unparalleled experience is to fall to your lot You have not achieved this opportunity through any excellence of your own, for, I must say, after lengthy contact no vestige of merit in you is perceptible, either to the nude eye or through an ultra-microscope. Nevertheless, by pure unhappy chance, you are the property of the Intelligencer, and as such this illustrious organ intends to confer upon you the signal honor of being a Columbus, a Van Diemen, and Amon's son, you, Weener, in your unworthy person, shall be the first man to set foot upon a virgin land. This speech being no more comprehensible to me than his excoriation of an unknown individual, I could only stay silent and try to look appreciative. Yes, Weener, you, some refugee from the busy newsroom of the Zwingle, Iowa, weekly patriot. A disdainful hand-wave referred this description to Goots, some miserable cast-off from a fourth-rate quickie studio masquerading as a cameraman, and a party of sheep. Perhaps I should simplify my whole sentence by saying merely a party of bloody sheep will be landed by parachute on top of the grass this very afternoon. He smacked his lips. I can see tomorrow's banner line now agent of destruction views handiwork. Should you chance to survive, your ghost-written impressions for which we pay too high a price, far too high a price, will become doubly valuable. Should you come as I confidently expect to a logical conclusion, the Intelligencer will supply a suitable obituary. Now, get the bloody hell out of here and either let me see you never again or as a triumphant Balboa who has sat if not upon a peak in Darien, at least upon something more important than your own backside. End of chapter 3, part B